Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 199 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. I want to start today's episode by talking a little bit about the 19th anniversary of 9-11. I mean, really, I'm not even sure the anniversary is really the best word for it because, you know, you hear that word and you think, you know, joyous occasions. And obviously, you know, 9-11 was anything but that, just a completely senseless act of violence from a group of cowards. And obviously, it results in the loss of thousands of lives here on American soil. Uh, One of the most difficult days that really our country has ever had to endure. And it's one of those things, it's definitely not lost on me that, You know, up here in the Northeast, I'm sure there's a lot of people from New York City who are listening to this. There are people from Connecticut like I am. Uh, There's probably people listening to this episode right now that were uh, directly, I mean, we were all directly affected by the attacks, obviously, but there might be somebody who lost a loved one or lost a friend or something of that nature. Uh, Again, you know, it's just one of those really senseless acts of violence. There's just no explanation for it. And It's obviously a terrible thing, and, you know, obviously my heart goes out to anybody who was affected. Again, I get that we were all affected by it on that day, but anyone who, you know, lost a loved one, lost a family member, lost a friend of any kind, my heart definitely goes out to you. There's always a little bit of a somber day, kind of a tough day to get through. Uh, It really is crazy that 19 years have gone by since this happened. Um And I think that maybe uh, one lesson that happened, and I saw people posting about this on social media, obviously it's a horrible event, a complete tragedy, and we all wish it never would have happened. But the one thing that I think we did, and not to get too preachy or political or anything like that, but like the one thing that I think our country did in the aftermath of 9-11 is everybody kind of came together at that time. I feel like, uh, you know, there were people going around hugging complete strangers and just doing our part to tell each other to keep our heads up and and just try to get through this whole thing together. I mean, that in and of itself is kind of a surreal thought now is just hugging people because of the pandemic and everything. But, you know, I think there was definitely a a moment of unity, a moment of solidarity in the weeks and months and maybe even the next year that followed after the 9-11 attacks. So if there was uh, the silverest of silver linings to come from that, I think it's just that, you know, as a country, we all stood together at that time. And I think that's something that maybe is missing a little bit right now. And uh, it's just something that hopefully we can get back to. But again, you know, my heart definitely goes out to anybody who knew anyone who was lost in the 9-11 attacks. Uh, Obviously, just, again, just one of the most horrible days in American history. And you know, obviously sports are small potatoes anytime you're dealing with something like this, like a terrorist attack on our own American soil. But I will recommend uh, something that you guys can watch if you haven't seen it. And even if you have seen it, uh, it's a great program. It's called Nine Innings to Ground Zero. And uh, you can find it on YouTube. If you type Nine Innings to Ground Zero into the search bar, it'll be the first thing that pops up. It's only an hour long. And basically what it does is it just kind of takes a look at the... Uh, the terrorist attacks, obviously, but then also the Yankees and Mets because they both started playing some great baseball in the aftermath of 9-11. Obviously, there was a little bit of a break there. Uh, Everything kind of shut down for a while, but then you had baseball resume, and it really just kind of gave New York City and really the entire country a nice little uh, boost that it sorely needed at that time. And I realize it doesn't bring back any of the lives that were lost in the 9-11 attacks. I realize that sports are small potatoes when dealing with matters such as that, but I still think they do have the power to heal, and I think we We saw that in the rest of the 2001 baseball season that year. Uh, The Yankees, obviously, it's funny because they actually went through a really bad stretch at the end of the regular season that year, but then they turned it on 
during the playoffs, that was the year where Derek Jeter had the uh, the flip in Game 3 against the A's when the Yankees were forcing elimination. Uh, just one of the best plays that you'll ever see. And they, of course, went on to the 2001 World Series. They lost in seven games to the Diamondbacks. More on that in just a second. But I also want to mention the Mets because the Mets at the time uh, that the attacks happened, it looked like they were pretty much uh, done. You know, they, they looked to be uh, really really far down in the standings. It didn't look like they had really any chance. They at least made a nice run toward the end of the season and had people thinking that maybe they could get into the playoffs. And then uh, the moment that nobody will ever forget is the first night back, uh, they played the Braves at home in... Yeah, it was still Shea, Shea Stadium at the time, but Mike Piazza in the bottom of the eighth with the Mets trailing hit what turned out to be a game-winning home run, uh, just a mammoth shot. And the crazy thing about that, too, is that pitch was kind of like on the outside corner a little bit, and Piazza didn't care. I mean, he jacked it basically to believe it was a little bit in between where you would say left center is and where di- straightaway center is, you know, somewhere in there. But uh, Piazza just crushed it. Uh, just a great moment in New York sports history. And then the Yankees in 2001, uh, that was obviously really tough to see them lose the World Series, especially in the fashion that they did, uh, losing in seven games to the Diamondbacks. But, you know, looking back on that, I really feel like that team kind of served its purpose. That team had a higher calling than winning the World Series that season. And again, not to get too deep on here or anything like that, but, you know, the Yankees had won the three most recent World Series. They'd won four out of the most five recent World Series. That team needed to play well and heal the entire country, and specifically New York City, and they did that, and they did that with some unbelievable moments in the playoffs that year. I already mentioned the Derek Jeter uh, backhand flip, but then if you remember the World Series against the Diamondbacks, uh, they won games four and five in just crazy fashion. They were down to their last out in both of those games, and then had game-tying home runs, and then went on to win both games in extra innings. It was Tino Martinez and Derek Jeter homering in game four, uh, Tino tied it, Jeter won it, and then in Game 5, you had, uh, who tied it, who tied it? Brocious tied it, Brocious tied it with a home run, and then Knobloch scored on an RBI single by Soriano, and I believe it was the 12th inning, definitely extra innings though, so two extremely dramatic wins for the Yankees. It would have been amazing to see them win that World Series. It just wasn't meant to be, but again, I think that team kind of really served its purpose, and you know, listen, it's a great documentary. It's something that, you know, I tend to watch just about every 9-11 that goes by. I'll probably end up watching it a little bit later today. Uh, but again, my heart, you know, goes out to anyone who was directly affected by, you know, these just senseless acts of violence uh, on 9-11. Uh, for today's episode of Locked on Rangers, we're, this is kind of the first of a two-parter. It's not a traditional two-parter, but what we're going to do today is count down the top 10 worst Ranger draft picks of the last 20 years. And then in our next episode, probably our 200th episode, we're going to be taking a look at the 10 best Ranger draft picks of the last 20 years. I definitely don't want episode 200 to have kind of a, a negative feel about it, but that's kind of going to be what today is because we're going to be talking about the biggest swings and misses by the Rangers uh, in recent draft history. Like I said, the last 20 years, we're going to start at number 10, work our way all the way up to number one of 10 worst draft picks. And we'll start with number 10 here. 10 is going to be Christian Thomas, and these aren't all going to be household names because by their very nature, you maybe have not heard about a lot of these guys because they are, in fact, draft busts. Uh, Christian Thomas, 
for anyone who needs a refresher, was a right winger selected by the Rangers in the second round. He went number 40th overall in 2010, and he played a grand total of one NHL game with the Rangers back in 2012-2013. That same year, he had an okay season in the AHL with the Connecticut Whale. He scored 19 goals and 16 assists in 73 games, but he just never developed. Uh, The Rangers end up trading him to the Montreal Canadiens in exchange for Danny Christo, who never really panned out either, but it just didn't work out for Thomas with New York, and it didn't work out with him in Montreal either, and 10 years after he was drafted, you know, it's, it's 10 years now, uh, Thomas has appeared in a grand total of just 27 NHL game, scoring just one goal and picking up two assists. Uh, the only thing Thomas has working in his favor is the simple fact that he is still just 28 years old. He played with Tractor of the KHL this past season. It's not completely out of the realm of possibility and completely impossible that he gets another shot in the NHL. But I would say the odds are probably against it. Uh, He just never showed enough where, you know, teams are going to be lining up to sign him at this point. And he has not appeared in an NHL game since 2015-2016. So, again, I would say the odds are against him ever being back in the NHL, but I suppose you never know. But either way, certainly turned out to be a bust for the Rangers, taking him in the second round at number 40 overall. You certainly expect more than one career NHL game with your pro team. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors, and unlike a lot of other protein bars, energy bars, you don't need a gallon of water to get rid of that weird, funky aftertaste that sometimes comes with the other bars. It's just good, and it actually kind of tastes quite a bit like a candy bar. It has an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There are no crazy additives, and if you compare it to the most popular men's bar, Cliff, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good and taste that good? I don't know. You just got to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off of your first box at BuiltBar.com. Once again, use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at www.BuiltBar.com. And number nine is going to be Darren Over. He was a center taken in the second round by the Rangers in 2004, going number 36 overall. Uh, 2004 was not a good draft class for the Rangers. Uh, They had six picks in the first two rounds, and they basically just squandered it. They missed on every single one of them. The only exception was they hit on Brandon Dubinsky. I will give them a hit for that. Uh, And he was actually the last of these six picks that the Rangers made over the first two rounds. So the first five picks, again, I mean, it looks like you're loaded. You go into a draft with, you know, six picks in the first two rounds. I mean, man, we are going to be stacked and loaded for the future, and you completely whiff on five of them. Uh, Brandon Dubinsky, you know, that's a solid pick, uh, getting him toward the end of the second round. But again, the first five picks that they made, which were all in the first two rounds, the Rangers just completely whiffed. And uh, the one thing that does soften the blow a little bit is this was not the deepest draft class ever once you get past the top five uh, selections of this season. But again, to take someone at the top of the second round, as the Rangers did with Darren Over, 
and have them never even make it to the NHL, yeah, that's a bust. And over, right now he's 35 years old. He has still never played a single game in the NHL, and it certainly does not seem likely to happen at this point. He played in only six career games with the Hartford Wolfpack back in 2006-2007, uh, scored one goal. And since 2008-2009, over has played exclusively in the DEL. He has been a decent player there, but obviously it's a far cry from playing in the NHL. And at 35 years old, I don't think any of us should be holding our breath that Darren Olver is suddenly going to make his NHL debut. So, yeah, definitely a bust there as well. Number eight, we're going to stick with 2004 here. We're going to stick with that same round, the second round, and it's going to be Bruce Graham, a center who was taken number 51 overall by the Rangers. He never once played in the NHL, and he did absolutely nothing in the AHL. In fact, in 58 career AHL games, he had just three goals and 11 assists. And really, the 2004 draft could probably be its own separate countdown. Maybe someday, maybe like a Halloween special, because we would want to do something scary. We'll just take a look at the 2004 NHL draft for the New York Rangers, because it was just an unmitigated disaster for the Blue Shirts. Uh, now, with Graham, he was still playing hockey up until 2017-2018. But like we said, he did absolutely nothing in his career in the AHL, 58 games with the Hartford Wolfpack. And again, just three goals and 11 assists. It was pretty interchangeable between him and Darren Olver. Uh, again, they were both taken in the second round in 2004. They were even both centers, so they play the same position. So I don't know. It's really just a toss-up, but we're going to have Graham just ahead of over at number eight here on the countdown. And by the way, everyone on this countdown that I'm going through today, this top 10 countdown here, all 10 of these players were drafted either in the first round or the second round by the Rangers. And obviously, listen, if somebody gets drafted in the sixth or seventh round, then they can't really be a bust because you know, NHL history is chock full of guys who get drafted late in the draft and they just become footnotes in NHL history. They don't really go on to do anything. They don't necessarily ever end up even playing in the NHL. These things happen and, you know, there's a countless amount of players that that is the case where they just never made it to the NHL after being a late round draft pick. But I thought for this countdown, you know, doing the top 10 here, I thought I would at least have to dive into the third round a little bit to find busts. But yeah, it's all 10 of these guys were either taken in the first round or the second round. And we're going to get to our first first rounder here. And that's going to be Dan Blackburn coming in at number seven, uh, worse draft pick by the Rangers in the last 20 years. Uh, he was a goalie. A lot of people probably remember Dan Blackburn, but he went number 10 overall back in 2001. And he would probably rank higher on this list, more toward, you know, the top five, if not for the fact that his career was cut short due to injuries, uh, specifically a shoulder injury. He retired after missing the entire 2003-2004 season due to a nerve injury that he suffered while lifting weights, and then he made an attempt to return to hockey with a pair of blockers rather than the uh, blocker-glove combo that everybody uses, but uh, his injury prevented him from rotating his glove hand. He also suffered a strained MCL in Ranger training camp in September of 2005, so unfortunately, that pretty much spelled the end for Dan Blackburn. He actually did make a little bit of a cameo with the Rangers not all that long ago, though. He participated in the 2012 Winter Classic alumni game. He played for the Ranger alumni team up against the Flyer alumni team. So that was pretty cool to see. But injuries or not, uh, when you take somebody 10th overall, you expect results. And again, obviously, you know, I sympathize with Dan Blackburn uh, going through these injuries and having his career cut way too short 
through really no fault of his own. I mean, these things happen. Players get injured, and careers do get cut short. But, you know, it's clearly a pick, any way you slice it, that did not work out for the Rangers. Again, it's not Blackburn's fault. If you get hurt, you get hurt. But it is what it is. He only played 63 career games with the Rangers. And in those 63 games, he struggled a bit. You know, he was 20, 32, and 4, had a goals against average of 3.22, and an 8.94 save percentage. So not great numbers, but it was obviously very early in his career. And who knows? You know, maybe at some point he writes the ship and goes on to become a very good goal in this league. And it's crazy to think that, you know, if it had worked out with Dan Blackburn, maybe Henrik Lundqvist never really gets a shot with the Rangers. It's at least possible because Blackburn was drafted, again, number 10 overall here in 2001. Lundqvist was taken the year before in 2000 in the seventh round. So Lundqvist was basically just a lottery ticket for the Rangers. They had no plans of him going on to become a franchise goalie and a perennial all-star and basically a legend of this league, but that's what happened. Uh, Blackburn was the big prospect. So if Blackburn had worked out with the Rangers, then it's possible that maybe Lundqvist uh, never gets a chance with the Rangers and maybe never gets a chance anywhere. I mean, you never know what can happen. You think that somebody as good as Lundqvist, uh, eventually the cream is going to rise to the top, so to speak, and he would have gotten an opportunity and taken advantage of that opportunity somewhere else. But it's at least possible that Henrik Lundqvist uh, you know, never goes on to really do much of anything with the Rangers. So in a weird roundabout way, it kind of worked out for the Rangers long term. Obviously, again, I sympathize with Dan Blackburn. Uh, injuries cutting his career way too short. But he had to be on this list because he was taken number 10 overall. It didn't work out. And frankly, even when he was there for the Rangers, and I know 63 games is a small sample size, but even when he was there, it uh, didn't really look like uh, he was going to be all that great. For number six, I'm going to go with Lori Korpakowski, a center drafted in the first round, number 19 overall in 2004 by the Rangers. He only spent two years with the Rangers and basically did nothing. Uh, the one thing that... You know, I hesitated ranking him this high. Maybe he should be a little bit lower down the list, or you could even argue maybe off the list altogether because he did have some longevity in the NHL. He ended up playing 10 years in the NHL and skated in 609 games, so maybe he doesn't deserve uh, to rank quite this high, but... I definitely remember watching Korpakowski with the Rangers, and I just always thought this guy was a complete ghost on the ice. I mean, he just kind of drifted around, never really looked to be all that engaged, and he scored just six goals and had just eight assists in 68 career games with the Rangers, and he was on his way. Uh, the Rangers traded him to the Coyotes in July of 2009 in exchange for Enver Leeson, and he ended up actually having a hat trick against the Rangers later in his career with the Coyotes, did Korpakowski. His best season occurred in 2010-2011 when he had 19 goals and 21 assists. The following year, he had 17 goals and 20 assists also with the Coyotes, but that was pretty much it. It was all downhill for Korpakowski after that until he fell out of the league. And again, he's pretty high on the list because he's a former first-round pick. You got to hit on your first-rounders, and the Rangers clearly did not do so here with Korpakowski. But as I mentioned, uh, he did stick in the league at least a little bit, you know, 609 career regular season games, uh, 86 goals and 115 assists, so 201 points in 609 games. He also competed in 30 playoff games, scoring another goal and adding three more assists. So he did hang around. Uh, he went from the Rangers to the Coyotes to the Oilers to the Stars to the Blue Jackets. He last played in the NHL in 2016-2017 with the Columbus Blue Jackets appearing in just nine games that season. And since then, he has been playing with TPS of Liga, over the last two seasons. Uh, again, still just 34 years old, but it would seem that the odds are against Korpakowski making it back to the NHL at this point. Again, a player that just did not work out in any way, shape, or form with the New York Rangers. All right, number five is going to be Lee Falardo, and he was taken by the Rangers in the second round in 2002, going number 33 overall. He was a center, and 
you know, taken by the Rangers again, right at the start of the second round there. He spent some time with the Wolfpack and the Charlotte Checkers. Uh, he was actually the Rangers' first pick this season because they didn't have a first-round draft pick, and he never played in the NHL. He is 37 years old at this point. Does not seem like he's played hockey since spending the 2008-2009 season with the Charlotte Checkers of the ECHL in 83 career AHL games with the Hartford Wolfpack. He had only six goals and 19 assists. Never even got a chance with the Rangers or any NHL team for that matter. Uh, just didn't show enough to get the call. And that says a lot because typically you, know, you take somebody in the first or second round, you're going to eventually give them a shot, even if you aren't convinced that they're truly ready or whether or not you truly believe in them at that point, because you at least have to try to justify the pick. And for Filardo to never even get a look in the NHL, that says a lot. Uh, clearly, the Rangers just didn't think the guy could play. Uh, and the other thing that kind of adds to this, that adds to the frustration of Ranger fans with regard to this pick, is this was a questionable selection even when it was made because Filardo scored only 18 goals over three seasons at Michigan State. It was clearly... Uh, not a career highlight for Glenn Sather here, and maybe it's one of those situations where the Rangers just got way too cute with their second-round pick, like, oh, you know, we know about this diamond in the rough, and it's going to work, and we'll show all you guys, but obviously it didn't work out, to say the very least, and Filardo, you know, again, just another footnote in NHL history, you can't whiff like this when you're taking somebody at the top of the second round and have them play so poorly that you determine it's not even worth giving them a look in the NHL. So obviously did not work out with Falardo. Uh, again, never even playing a single shift in the NHL. All right, so we're up to number four, and uh, fair warning, guys, it's about to get really, really ugly. So number four is Bobby Sanginetti. He was a defenseman. The Rangers took him in the first round, number 21 overall in 2006. He played a grand total of five games with the Rangers before being traded to the Carolina Hurricanes. When the Rangers moved him to Carolina, they only received a second and sixth round draft pick in exchange for Sanginetti. So an underwhelming return for a former first round pick. He drew Brian Leach comparisons when he was first drafted. Obviously, that never came to fruition. And fun fact, Sanginetti actually wore number 22 as a tribute to Brian Leach because Brian Leach wore number two and Sanginetti was a huge fan of Brian Leach's while growing up. But remember what I said a couple of times on this podcast that the Rangers have basically been looking for the next Brian Leach for about 20 years now? Yeah, this was another example of that and another swing and a miss because again, he just didn't pan out. Only five career games with the Rangers. Uh, he is still just 32 years old and is still playing hockey. He spent this past season with EHC Munchen for the DEL, scoring four goals and 17 assists in 37 games. But he has not appeared in an NHL game since 2012-2013 with the Carolina Hurricanes. And in just 45 career NHL games, a total of two goals and four assists. So, it obviously didn't work out with the Rangers or with the Hurricanes. He did fare a little bit better in the AHL. And in fact, this is kind of a weird footnote with Bobby Sanginetti. So he was a three-time AHL All-Star. He made the AHL All-Star team in 2009, 2010, and then again in 2015. But in a weird way, that's kind of not a good thing. You don't want to make too many AHL All-Star games because if you do that, it means you're not moving up to the next level. And I certainly don't think you want to make two All-Star games in the AHL that are six years apart because obviously, you know, he's showing some promise, right? He's an AHL All-Star in 2009, but then in 2015, he's still in the AHL and he's making the All-Star team, which is great, but he's not getting that call up to the NHL. Nobody's giving him a chance. People just don't think he can cut it at the next level. So obviously it didn't work out with Stan Giannetti. Kind of a weird uh, career story here. Uh, again, just the fact that he was a three-time AHL All-Star, but did absolutely nothing in the NHL with the Rangers. Again, only the five games and uh, did nothing with the Hurricanes 
games either. Still playing hockey to this day. But yeah, a return to the NHL definitely does not seem imminent for Bobby Sanginetti. Number three, the bronze medal of sorts is going to go to Al Montoya. People will probably remember Al Montoya. You know, he was a goalie uh, drafted in the first round by the Rangers, number six overall back in 2004. He never ended up playing in any games with the New York Rangers. Uh, he bounced around the league a little bit. He ends up playing 168 career NHL games in 16 years. The only thing that saves him from ranking higher is that the numbers aren't quite as bad as you might think, and he did play 168 career games, and this is a list where, you know, we've got a lot of people who played, like, you know, five games with the Rangers or never even made it to the NHL. Uh, Montoya, if nothing else, you can say he at least has had, you know, a cup of coffee in the NHL. He's played 168 career games. It's not an enormous amount, but, hey, he got there, and uh, in those games, he has gone 67 49 and 24 with a 265 goals against average and a 908 save percentage. Not incredible numbers, but maybe not quite as bad as you might think. And, you know, again, talk about a journeyman. Uh, he made his NHL debut with the Coyotes in 2008-2009, and since then he bounced to the Islanders, the Jets, the Panthers, the Canadians, and the Oilers. So, again, his quasi-decent stats do keep him from ranking at the very, very top of this list, but, you know, that almost doesn't matter because the fact is still the same. He only played 168 games in 16 years. That's 10 games a season from a guy who was drafted number six overall. And again, he had to be really in the top five and ends up being in the top three here because, again, number six overall. I mean, you got to, when you're picking six overall, you got to hit. You got to find a great player, a guy who's going to be an all-star, a guy who could become a cornerstone for your franchise. Al Montoya was certainly not that. Never even played a single game with the Rangers. Now, part of that was also due to the fact that by the time he was coming along, uh, the Rangers had this guy, you've probably heard of him, Henrik Lundqvist, and he was starting to emerge a little bit. But it's just crazy to me that Lundqvist was drafted in the seventh round in 2000, and the Rangers end up taking Dan Blackburn in 2001 and Al Montoya in 2004. Uh, Blackburn went 10th overall, Montoya went 6th overall, and they completely whiffed on both of those players. Now, to be fair to the Rangers, they obviously didn't know what they had in Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, no one could have predicted that Lundqvist would go on to be one of the all-time greats, but it does just go to show how unpredictable the NHL draft can be. Because look at Blackburn and Montoya, uh, top 10 overall picks, they both end up being busts, and then Lundqvist, taken in the seventh round, goes on to become a legend. And in fact, Lundqvist's emergence is what led the Rangers to trade Montoya to the Coyotes. He went to Arizona along with Marcel Hosa in exchange for Freddie Schustrom, David Lenevieu, and Josh Gratton. So you just never know how it's going to work out with goalies, but yes, the fact that the Rangers took him six overall, he never played a single game with the Rangers. He's got to be on this list. He's got to be high on this list, and that's why Montoya's number three. Okay, the silver medal, going to go to Dylan McElrath, a defenseman selected by the Rangers in the first round in 2010, going number 10 overall, and another guy where it just never really worked out. He never lived up to the hype. He never stuck with the Rangers. He never carved out a role for himself on the NHL roster. He only played in a total of 38 games with the Rangers over parts of four seasons. Uh, the Rangers actually placed him on waivers in October of 2016. He was then reassigned to the AHL with the Wolfpack and then traded to the Panthers in a exchange for Stephen Kampfer and a conditional seventh round pick. He is actually now on the Detroit Red Wings. He split this past season between Grand Rapids of the AHL and the Detroit Red Wings, played 44 games with Grand Rapids, 16 games with the Red Wings, uh, did not score any points for the Wings, but McElrath, obviously a stay-at-home type, so you're not really expecting points. But yeah, at this point, I mean, he's got to be considered a pretty big bust in the NHL. Again, taken number 10 overall 10 years ago, and to date, he has skated in only 66 career NHL games, uh, three goals and two assists, but... 
a guy taken 10th overall has averaged a grand total of basically six games over the past decade for his NHL career. Uh, the good news for McElrath, if there is any, is that he did get to skate again in 16 games with the Red Wings this past season. That is the second most NHL games that he has appeared in in one season since 2015-2016 when he skated in 34 games with the Rangers. And the other good news for McElrath is he's still just 28 years old, which kind of surprised me, but yeah, just 28 years old, and the Red Wings are terrible. So it's not a bad place to be because, you know, a guy like McElrath, he's going to have an easier time making the Red Wings NHL roster than he would trying to make the roster of an elite NHL team. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely a fair game at this point to call him a bust, especially considering his draft status taken number 10 overall. And if you want one last punch to the gut, uh, the Rangers could have drafted Vladimir Tarasenko when they chose McElrath. Uh, Tarasenko went number 16 overall that year. And also, if the Rangers really wanted a defenseman in that draft, they also could have taken Cam Fowler, who went number 12. Uh, Justin Falk was taken in the second round at number 37 overall. And switching our attention back to forward, Evgeny Kuznetsov went number 26 overall. So there were definitely some better picks to be had there, but unfortunately, the Rangers swing and miss. It does happen from time to time, but obviously not a good pick by the Rangers here, taking Dylan McElrath number 10 overall. And then number one, the gold medal, it's going to go to Hugh Jessiman. Uh, he was a right winger selected in the first round, number 12 overall by the Rangers in 2003. And the thing that makes this so hard is there were just so many good players drafted this year. Uh, this draft was absolutely loaded. This is about as bad as it gets for the Rangers. As much of a swing and a miss that you can possibly have in the first round of an NHL draft. Uh, he skated in just two games in his NHL career. He's now 36 years old. A return to the NHL certainly does not appear imminent. And it does not look like he's played any hockey of any kind since appearing in seven games with the Vienna Capitals of the EBEL in 2014-2015. After being drafted by the Rangers, he spent parts of four seasons with the Hartford Wolfpack from 2005-2006 to 2008-2009. He skated in 172 games with the Wolfpack, but had only 32 goals and 41 assists. These are not totally anemic numbers, but the Rangers clearly just never saw enough from him to put him on the NHL roster. And the Rangers then in 2008 traded him to the Nashville Predators in exchange for future considerations. And after that, he basically just bounced around between minor league affiliates of the Blackhawks, Panthers, and Senators. Never showed enough to get the call to the NHL with the exception of just those two games. Uh, each of his two NHL games occurred in 2010-2011 with the Florida Panthers. No points in either of those games. And again, what makes this pick so much worse and what makes it hurt so much more if you're a Ranger fan is that this was the 2003 NHL draft, which was absolutely loaded. In fact, 16 of the 30 first-round picks in this draft went on to become NHL All-Stars, and even most of the ones who didn't were at least solid or still are solid NHL players. And just to make this all the more painful to, to really kind of breathe this in and just understand just how bad of a pick this really was and how much better it could have been, I'm going to read a couple of the names that the Rangers could have had. Some other names from this draft. So again, Jesse Min, number 12 overall to the Rangers, and listen to the names of some of these players who were taken. We'll start with the guys in front of him. And now, I realize, to be fair here, these are players taken before Jesse Min, so it's not like the Rangers really could have done anything about this, but this will just give you an idea of exactly how loaded this draft really was. Okay, so... Players drafted in front of Jesse Mann. Marc-Andre Fleury, Eric Stahl, Nathan Horton, Thomas Vanek, Ryan Suter, Braden Coburn, Dion Phaneuf, and Jeff Carter. And as far as guys drafted after him, here's what the Rangers could have picked instead of Jesse Mann at that number 12 overall pick. These are players drafted after Jesse Mann that year. Dustin Brown, Brent Seabrook, Zach Parise, Ryan Getzloff, Brent Burns, Ryan Kessler, Mike Richards, 
Brian Boyle and Corey Perry. And then if you want to go into the second round a little bit, those were all first rounders. If you want to go into the second round a little bit, Louis Erickson, Patrice Bergeron, Shea Weber, Corey Crawford, David Backus, Jimmy Howard. That is just a depressing list. I don't know what else can really be said. The Rangers, they just completely swung and missed on Hugh Jessieman in a season where the draft was absolutely loaded and the Rangers could have had their pick between countless future All-Stars and Stanley Cup champions and there's no other way to say it. Hugh just mean the absolute worst pick by the Rangers of the last 20 years. Uh, so that's going to pretty much do it for today. But for episode 200, we're going to kind of flip the script a little bit. And again, I want episode 200 to be happy, to be positive, to be a good time. So we're going to count down the top 10 best picks that the Rangers have made in the last 20 years of the NHL draft. Uh, some of them you can probably figure out on your own already, but it's going to be a lot of fun to kind of go down memory lane, remember some of these players. Some of them are still with the Rangers uh, even to this day. So we will get to that list in our next episode, but that will do it for today, guys. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And once again, I got to mention the Fantasy Hockey League. Uh, the start of the next season is tentatively scheduled for December 1st. So definitely reach out to me on Twitter or send me an email to claim your spot in the league. We actually had somebody uh, claim a spot since yesterday's episode. So the league is starting to fill up a little bit and we'll do our best to accommodate everybody. We'll have a bunch of teams if that's what we have to do. We could play with as little as eight teams, but I'd like to have a big league. You know, maybe we get as many as 14, 16, 18, maybe even 20 uh, players in this league. Could be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, the more people we have playing, the more fun it's going to be, obviously. And uh, it'll really allow you guys to show your skills in fantasy hockey. If you're in a 20-team league and you're able to find guys late in the draft, then that's big time. So it could be a ton of fun, you know, the more players we get. But definitely reach out because it is starting to fill up pretty fast here. So uh, get on board. Again, send me a message, claim your spot, and uh, we'll take it from there. But once again, that will do it for today. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.